Hey everyone, welcome into the Sports Mill Podcast. On today's episode, I guess you could call this our second edition uh, of football season episode. We're talking about fantasy. The season's still not here yet. We're a couple of weeks out from both college and NFL. So I thought me and Soy would go ahead and jump into some fantasy football stuff, how to draft your team, strategies for dealing with the draft. I know a lot of people want to know what position should I draft first? You know, what should I be looking for early on? Things like that. And then we're going to hit specific players uh, guys that we like at the top at each position and then some sleepers because I know everyone uh, wants to you know find that guy in the late rounds that is the breakout star that year we're going to try to help you do that and then we'll talk about some just some other tips and strategies as well as you're as you're managing your team throughout the year um, so he joins me once again today so like I said we're just going to start by talking I think about draft position and, and how that can affect you know what you do in fantasy because for a lot of people if you haven't drafted already you're about to uh, the league that we're both in is about to draft. So I'll kind of start with Sully. Um, you know, if you're drafting at the top now in fantasy football, it seems like for years since I've been playing, you know, running backs have been the highest commodity. And, you know, still there is, a, I think, a priority to get a good running back. But we've seen that kind of phase away more and more as wide receivers and the passing game have come into effect. So if you were drafting at the top, you know, one, two, three, four in that area, Let's start there. What are you looking? Who are you looking at, maybe, and and what position are you putting the most value on now? Yeah, to me, I think I'm still, you know, if I'm top three, I'm probably targeting a running back. Now, I don't know that that's obvious on who you're targeting in that top three. Like, I think you can legitimately make an argument for seven or eight guys to go in that range, but I think that high, I'm still targeting one of those guys, but. Especially this year, I do like the idea if you're, you know, five through eight, like if you can go get like a Justin Jefferson or a Cooper Cup, one of those receivers. I know some people like would group Jamar Chase in that tier as well. Like if you can go get one of those guys, I do think there's a lot of running backs that you can come back and get in the second round that are going to offer you pretty good value, whether that's like Alvin Kamara or Saquon Barkley. Like there's there are running backs, I think, this year that are in the second round where if you if you snag one of those top receivers, I don't think you're drawing dead there in the second round. I, I think after that, there's probably a drop off. Like once you get into the, you know, the, the Cam Akers, the, the David Montgomery kind of tier after that. But I, I think, you know, if you get Aaron Jones with your second round pick, like that's perfectly good. So yeah, this year, I think, especially like with the guys that are there, I would have no problem taking a receiver like midway through the first round. Yeah. I'm with you that at the top of the draft, I still think it's, it's good to look at those running backs just because there's a lot bigger gap potentially between the top running backs and the lower level running backs. So obviously injuries play a big factor at that position, but assuming Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, those types of guys, Jonathan Taylor stay healthy. You're creating a lot of value for yourself at a position where other people might be struggling to find players. And I'm all on the wide receiver train now. and We'll get to that here in a minute, but it is easier to string together groups of wide receivers instead of just going with specific guys at the top. Yeah, that, I, I agree completely. I mean, I, there's there are receivers at the top that I really like this year. Like, I, I think Justin Jefferson is going to be amazing this year, but it's still difficult to me to fully commit to that because when I get down to like the 20 to 30 range, I like the receivers a lot more than I like the running backs this year. And just, I think there's more guys down there that have upside and running backs that are like 
it's it's probably as much of a mental thing as it is like a real analysis thing, but running backs that are splitting time are just not fun to have on your roster. So like having those guys at the top where, you know, like if they're in, they're playing almost every down. Like I know if they're on the field, they're going to be producing like guys, you know, like Allen Robinson, who's somewhere probably between 20 and 30 on most people's wide receiver boards. He's going to play almost every snap for the Rams. The question is just like, how often is he going to get targeted? Like, what is his red zone usage going to look like? So I, I think especially this year, just with how much like, there's so many talented wide receivers now in the NFL. I do think that you have a better shot of going down in the, you know, past the 15th wide receiver and maybe picking up a guy that could finish top 10. You know, if you're looking at the guys in the 20s, like, Rashad Penny, you know, Brees Hall, like maybe Brees Hall's a rookie with some upside there, like Miles Sanders, like these are guys that there are major questions about at this point. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't draft them, but I kind of do like the idea of going running back early if if it's there. I, I still think no matter what, you just take best player available early on. You can form your team however you need to. But if I was like putting together a perfect draft, I think it would be like grabbing one of those top running backs that I like and then swinging back around and getting some depth receivers later on. So the question is then, you know, we talked about the top of the draft. We were leaning more towards still the running backs. But if you're in that back half of the first round, you're going to get two picks, you know, sooner than that person at the top. But, you know, we just said we like maybe taking a receiver in the mid round. So what do you do then at the running back position or with those first two picks? Do you try to get the highest value with wide receiver or because, like you said, the running backs get worse and worse? I mean, you know, you see what I'm saying? Do you want to take one a swing on one of those higher upside guys like maybe an Aaron Jones or maybe, a, you know, Alvin Kamara, you know, Travis Etienne this year? Uh, or should you just go all in on the best wide receivers and tight ends? Yeah, I think if you're sitting at like, you know, if you have like the 11th or 12th pick, I think ideally I'm trying to come out of that with a running back that may have fallen like a Dalvin Cook or a DeAndre Swift or, you know, one of those guys in that group. I'm targeting one of those guys and then I'm going to get a receiver that I'm pretty confident in that whether that's like Devontae Adams or Stephon Diggs when it wraps around back to you at the 15th or 16th pick. You know, if Kelsey's still there at that point, obviously, like, he's a target as well. He's probably the only tight end I would take that that high. But, yeah, if you're at the end of that first round, like, I, I really like that position this year. I, I'm obviously, like, I'm commissioner. I'm randomizing our order. So, like, who knows where I'll end up. But, like, if I, if I get lucky, I really hope I'm in the last three or four spots because, like, there are guys that are on the back end of this top 10. Like, would it surprise you if Dalvin Cook is the best running back this year in terms of points? Like, it would not surprise me at all if he's the best running back. And he's a guy you're probably going to be able to get outside the top 10. So with with that kind of availability at the running back position, I really like the idea of picking up a guy, you know, maybe you're not as certain about him as Jonathan Taylor, but you also get the chance to go back and get a Stephon Diggs, a Tyreek Hill, a Devontae Adams, one of those guys. Like that that's kind of what I'm hoping for coming out of this first round. All right. So, you know, a lot of people that just play fantasy casually are not into it maybe as much as we are, you know, want to know what to do with a quarterback. And, you know, uh, we probably have our own opinions on this, but uh, you know, what is your opinion on that? Where to draft one? And then more specifically, how much should you push for one of those top guys? I mean, obviously if you have a a, a good roster of the rest of your team you don't need as good of a quarterback but how important now do you think a quarterback is on a fantasy team 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to have a guy that you think is good, obviously. Like, I, I don't think you should just wait forever and depend on a guy you're not certain about. But with how high, like, especially this year, Josh Allen is the guy that is, like, most almost everybody has him as their number one quarterback. I, I think that's probably right. He's been the number one quarterback the last two years. Like, he's obviously super explosive through the passing game, but also offers some of that rushing upside, especially in the red zone, which is where it becomes extremely valuable for these guys. But he's going like third round right now. And I just don't know if I'm willing to pass on a good running back, wide receiver, or high tight end option to go get him when I can just go draft like Matthew Stafford or Tom Brady or one of those guys like five or six rounds later. I mean, there really are like if you're in a 12 team league, worst case scenario, you're getting like Derek Carr or Russell Wilson, or Aaron Rodgers, if you wait until everybody takes a quarterback. Like, those those are guys I have 13, 14, and 15 on on my, like, rough draft pick board right now. So, like, you you are, you are have the chance they get a very good quarterback. Now, do they don't, they don't, they may not have the same rushing upside as a Josh Allen, or a Lamar, or a Kyler, or even like a Jalen Hurts, but you can very much get by there. And I generally would much rather have the depth at talent at running back and wide receiver, you know, especially if you're in a league like our league, we added another flex position this year. If you're in a league like that, where you you've got to have more of those talented guys, like unless, unless there's a quarterback that's just falling, like for me, you know, if Lamar or Kyler, like guys with the rushing upside, if those guys are sliding, they're past where I think their value is like, I'm definitely going to pull the trigger on them. Like I'm not just going to completely avoid them, but I, I they're I'm not, I'm definitely not targeting them going into a draft. Yeah, that's how I feel on the quarterback situation as well because I've never once played in a fantasy league and thought, well, because I didn't draft one of the top quarterbacks early, I lost this year. I mean, it's always something else, whether it be injuries or I missed on a running back wide receiver. I just feel like it's so much more important to have depth and talent at the running back and wide receiver and maybe even tied in position than it is the quarterback because like you said, yeah, I think you went to 13, 14, and 15 on your board. You know, those guys are still producing at a higher level. And even if you, you know, wait for those, they might end up being one of the top options that year. So I do think there's a there's a lot of value in waiting to draft a quarterback, although it is nice to have, you know, the top one that year. And sometimes it works out to where they separate themselves and it's enough of a point separation to where it creates a difference. But I'm with you. A lot of times it's more important to try to get those you know, really good wide receivers, really good running backs. Because the more that you have of those, the easier it is going to be able to provide depth to help with injuries. Whereas you're always mostly going to be able to find a quarterback to at least give you some some kind of production for, you know, your weeks. Yeah, I think even like when you look down towards the end, like Jameis Winston, you're probably going to be able to get pretty easily. You know, Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, these are going to be guys that go like at the very end of drafts. I'm fine plugging those guys in for a week if I need to. Like, do I want to start them for the whole year? Absolutely not. But like, those guys can play. You know, like I I would much rather go get you know a Ramondre Stevenson or somebody like that in the middle rounds where it's like, hey, here's a running back with some upside. I'm gonna wait. I'm not gonna take you know Kirk Cousins for my backup quarterback. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna take Jameis Winston. Like I I think that general philosophy is probably the the way I'm leaning, but. You know, if you, if especially like if you've got a guy around that top five that you think is going to have an amazing year, like let's say, you know, maybe you think Lamar is going to have a great bounce back year. He's going to play like an MVP again. 
then sure, if you like, if you're way higher on him than consensus, like go get him because you're probably you know if you're right, you're going to get good value on it. But I, I think a lot of times these guys are just a little bit overpriced, especially if you're in a more casual league where people are looking at those names and those are the names they know. Those are the names they see on an everyday basis. So naturally, like somebody's probably going to want to draft Justin Herbert before they draft, you know, Travis Etienne. Like that's just kind of naturally how people are going to lean. So take advantage of that. Like take advantage of people's behavioral choices because that, that's where you're going to find an edge. Yeah, really good point. And we and we talked a lot about, you know, just tips and tricks on last year's episode. So if you want to go back and listen to like our generic tips, you can do that. But I do want to hit on some of them again because they're very important. First of all, one quick tip that we talked about last year is don't draft players that went to your college or university and were good there just because they went, you know, they went to your university or whatever and have a big name because that doesn't always mean their their fantasy value is the same. Um, but with that being said, you know, I I think you're exactly right that you know Herbert is probably going to score more points than Travis Etienne, but because of his position and because of the value at running back, Etienne is probably a higher upswing pick for your team it depends on what what you're drafting for but I agree with you there I do want to hit before we get into specific players I do want to hit some specific topics positionally and we did this last year as well but starting with running back what are some things that you need to be looking for in a running back signs I guess that they may have a good fantasy year and there's some things that I look for but you know if you're trying to pick especially past those top ones what are some like roster things, you know, how, what are, what do people need to be, if you're doing like minimum amount of homework, what are some things you should look into for why you should or should not draft a guy? Yeah. I mean, honestly, and this is pretty general, but like you need to know who the backup is. And like, if you're drafting one of these top guys, if you're in a league that has a lot of bench spots, like the first thing I'll say is like, if you're drafting Jonathan Taylor, number one overall, and you have a pretty big bench, like your last pick needs to be Naheem Hines. Like you need to go get him. Like the handcuff thing, like I know that's like, you know, it's not super fun to have that guy sitting on your bench all year, but like if Jonathan Taylor goes down, like Naheem Hines is going to be one of the most valuable running backs in fantasy football. Like he could be a top five running back. And so you, he is more, he is more valuable to you than he is to other people. So like, that's the first thing I would say is like, if you're targeting one of those running backs, like running backs get hurt more often. Like same thing with, you know, if if you're drafting Christian McCaffrey, like whether, you know, and this is a little more difficult because it could be Deontay Foreman, it could be Chuba Hubbard, like you probably have to make that decision on who you think it might be. But that's the first thing I'll say. And then also like the top guys, like for you, for me, like I, I would much rather target guys that I know have a high passing floor, like receiving floor up at that level, just because it's so much easier for those guys to just you know, jump in, get their quick 15 points every week and move on. Even if they're not having the best weeks, some of these guys like a Derrick Henry, even who obviously has been one of the best fantasy running backs the past few years. If they have a tough matchup, if they face a good defense, like there's not much he's going to be able to do about it because if they're off the field after three plays, you know, he's probably not even on the field on third down. You know, that's how they've used him in the past. The other thing that I would say is, you know, look for guys that, you think are ranked lower now that have a chance to win a job that might pick up more volume as the year goes on. So like one I see, for example, is like Damian Pierce on the Texans. Like right now he's probably like, if you, if you looked at their depth depth chart right now, he's probably second behind Marlon Mack, but he has already been way better than him in preseason. And I think like by the middle of the year, 
he's probably going to have the majority of the workload. And like, it's still the Texans. So they're not going to have some explosive offense. But if that's an example of a guy where like, I think there's a really good chance that he takes over a lot of that workload. Like same with, you know, Ramondre Stevenson from New England. Like I think there's a chance he takes over Damian Harris's workload. So if you want your team to be peaking by the playoffs, like those are kind of the guys I would look at and say like, maybe, maybe by the end of the year, their value is a little bit different than what we are currently viewing it at. Yeah. Those, those types of tips are exactly what I was talking about. And you mentioned a couple even earlier, but if you know, look, look for a backfield that may be splitting, you know, the roles, the carries, because you don't really want to get a guy who is going to be, you know, at the goal line, his carries get taken away or, you know, they bring in a passing back for him. Uh, instead, look for guys who we'll talk about some of these probably are going to have a majority of the roles, uh, no matter if they're ranked lower or higher on big boards or whatever. But if they're the number one guy, then they're going to have the most opportunities to break out and the most to point, put, put points up on the board. And I really like, you know, the handcuff thing as well. That's a big deal about being a good fantasy manager is that your plan A after the draft is probably not going to go how you want it to. Now, you can have an exceptionally good draft and someone always does, but a lot of times you're going to have to be good at being able to evaluate players to pick up slash injuries and then go in and getting those guys. And that's probably going to be, you know, where you win your league. So yeah, a lot of the stuff you said, definitely agree with the passing, especially in a PPR league for running backs is extremely important because they're becoming more and more factors in the passing game. And there's a couple of running backs that I really like this year because of that. So you know, like you said, a lot of good tips there, but especially like, you know, looking at the workload and what they're going to be receiving is important. Yeah. And I want to give an example of one thing you mentioned of like what role the guy plays, because this is one guy that I, you know, we may, maybe we would have talked about in guys that I don't like this year. It's actually a guy I drafted last year and then traded away was Antonio Gibson. Like last year, he was kind of viewed as like this all purpose back, you know, like JD McKissick would take a little bit of the passing game from him, but like, he, he had a lot a very big role so far this preseason he's, he's had fumbling issues which have like he's been penalized for those like in terms of practice reps and that kind of stuff they re-signed JD McKissick and it's pretty clear that they like him as like their third down pass catching back and they also drafted Brian Robinson out of Alabama and it sounds like Robinson is going to get a lot of the goal line work so right now like where Gibson is going he's a back that's not getting the third down passing workload and he's not gonna he's probably not gonna get the goal line workload so like the two most valuable things that you can have as a running back like he doesn't have and so I think Gibson is a very good player but I'm very concerned about his ability to actually like have a good season in terms of fantasy production and so especially in like that middle tier like I'd be pretty surprised if I end up drafting him this year you know maybe his ADP drops enough that's average draft position maybe maybe that drops enough by the time that our draft comes around that like he's properly valued at that point. But I have a really hard time pulling the trigger on him when like, I, I don't know what role he plays in terms of scoring fantasy points for you this year. That's a perfect example of what we were talking about where, you know, on a big board or even on the depth chart, he looks like the number one guy, but because of the way fantasy is structured, you know, the points aren't going to maybe be there for him as much as somebody else who's, you know, valued about the same position as him. Um, you know, really quickly, you know, talking about running wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, a lot of the same things as well. You know, if you're looking for a good wide receiver later on, how many other options does the quarterback have? You know, is there, is it a crowded receiver room? Um, is he getting a lot of targets? Obviously for PPR, that's important. Receptions matter. 
you know, for a quarterback, the same as a running back, what's his rushing for? And we just talked about, you know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. Those are the top guys. Why? Because they throw and run. And so those are the type of players that matter more in fantasy. Whereas, you know, your Aaron Rodgers, your Tom Brady's great players, but not as valuable for fantasy because they don't quite do as many things on a field that, you know, produce fantasy points. Yeah, definitely. I think especially like at the quarterback position, like (laughs) Trey Lance and Jalen Hurts should go above Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, you know, all those guys. And that sounds so backwards, but like based on how fantasy is scored, like I think that's correct this year. And so like that's one thing where it's like, yeah, like do you – is it, is it kind of weird to make that selection? Yes, but like pinch your nose and do it because when when those guys are running for touchdowns every week, like it's going to be worth it. Yeah, you're exactly right. And with that being said, I think we'll move into specific players now because we're going to start at our favorites at each position. I'll kind of like slowly take point here. But, you know, you mentioned a guy that I think I would have because I waited on him last year and he panned out, even though by most people's standards, he probably didn't have the greatest year as a quarterback. So we'll start there at quarterback position. Looking at fantasy this year, are there any quarterbacks that you at the top that just jump out to you? And more importantly, you know, who are some guys you think are going to have some of the best years of their career? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious one that like everybody's talking about, but I still have to say is Trey Lance. Like, I, I, I think everyone knows the case for him at this point. Like, it's the rushing upside. He's playing in Kyle Shanahan's offense, so he should get a lot of explosive plays out of that, a lot of easy throws to make. He's generally just an explosive player. Like he can hit, he can hit the deep ball. He's also a very good athlete. I think the that kind of case has been made a lot. I still just think he's going too low. Like there's, I there's not really uh, other than like the elite of the elite, like the Mahomes, the Herberts, those kind of guys, and then the other higher upside rushing quarterbacks like the Kylers, the Lamars, the maybe the Jalen Hurts has been more consistent. He probably deserves to go ahead of Lance. There's not really anybody else that I would want to take over him because the, and we talked about this earlier with the depth. Like if you wait on Lance, you take him maybe around the 90th to a hundredth pick. I think that's pretty close to where you're going to be able to get him. You can swing back around in a couple picks and take Kirk Cousins or take get Derek Carr. Like you can you can swing back around and get one of these safer quarterbacks to where if Lance is horrendous, which there's a possibility that happens. I, I think he's going to be good, but there's a possibility that happens. If he's horrendous, you still have a solid quarterback on your roster that you can swing back around and take. So he's, he's the guy that I think like right now, if I'm trying to find like the league, the league winner of this year, he's the guy I immediately look at and say like, he's got the potential to do it. And I also think he's in the perfect situation to make it happen. Yeah. My quarterback to watch out for kind of goes hand in hand with that because it is Jalen hurts. And I said, I think, I think I said this on last year's episode, but I'm even more bullish on him this year than I was last year because He's grown. He's He has had a full year under his belt as a starter. He produced in fantasy last year when he didn't even play that well. And then you go into his wide receiver group, there wasn't much there. Devontae Smith was a rookie. He's a year older. Jalen Rager, they had no clue what he was. Now they bring in A.J. Brown. Dallas Goddard is a better tight end. I think the offense, and we, you know, you can't trust preseason, but he had a great first preseason game. There's a lot of things that look like he's going to have a good year. Uh, even even if they don't have the greatest record, I think he'll produce fantasy-wise. So kind of the same Trey Lance mold, but even, like you said, more proven, where that rushing that rushing is so valuable and he has enough weapons around him where if he can just get the ball to him, that there's going to be some, some production there in fantasy 
you know, Lance has Debo Samuel, George Kittle, kind of the same idea on the Eagles side. Yeah, for sure. I think I think those are the two guys where it's like because they're not actually as good quarterbacks yet, like it's a little harder to take those guys compared to like Patrick Mahomes or Kyler Murray. But like it would not surprise me at all if those guys outproduce them this year. Like I, I think that's the kind of potential that those guys have. And then towards the back end, um, a couple guys that I like a little more, like I think Trevor Lawrence is a guy who after that like Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, after that group of quarterbacks, he is probably the next guy I'd want to pull the trigger on because to me he's one of the only guys once you get past that 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 has real upside to me. And I just think like based on last year's situation, I just don't really think he got a fair shake at all. I think he's looked a little much improved. I've read some saying that his mechanics have gotten a lot better and that's allowed him to be a lot more consistent from throw to throw, which was an issue for him last year. I just think Lawrence is going to have a pretty good year. He also has a little bit of rushing ability, which is good to have from a quarterback in that point. So like he's a guy where like if I draft a quarterback a little bit later, um, like a safer option, I think he's a guy that I would really want to target as a backup where I'm getting a guy with some upside. I'm not depending on him every week so that, you know, if he comes out, has a rough start to this year again, I'm not depending on him, but he's a guy that I've got on my bench in case, you know, he does break out. Then I'm not, you know, it's not like I have Mahomes starting over him. I'm not going to be afraid to play him. Like you can insert him right into your lineup. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And, you know, when we're talking about quarterbacks, those top 12 to 15 guys, they're going to be the ones who you trust to produce some sort of points. They've proven they're good quarterbacks in the NFL, and so because of that, they're going to have the ball in their hands, obviously, every play, and they're going to be able to score and produce some fantasy points. But if you're looking for those home runs in later rounds, Trevor Lawrence is a good one. In a similar situation to where I've been kind of a supporter and bullish on him, I don't think he's going to be like a you know breakout star, but I think if you would like to get a pretty safe quarterback with your first one and then Maybe somebody who could just be a good one in the second. Uh, you know, look at Tua this year because he's also a guy who has a lot of weapons around him. Kind of the same. I, I mean, I'm viewing him and Trevor Lawrence about on the same level because of his injury history and the coaching that he's had. So I think, you know, guys like that who maybe are primed to finally show whether or not they're good quarterbacks or not, those are the guys you want to take on your bench because they might have a chance to break out. Yeah, I think two is another good one. I mean, obviously they've added Tyreek Hill this offseason. Like, that's going to be a big addition for them. I think his numbers will improve a lot just because of that. He also has a little bit of mobility, like definitely not enough to where it's like a huge factor. But he's definitely another one of those guys where like I think it's worth a swing as your backup if you've got a pretty safe uh, starting quarterback. And, you know, there's – I'm trying to think of like – a guy like very late round that I think is kind of interesting is Marcus Mariota. Like I think there's a chance that Atlanta uses him more in the rushing game than we're expecting. And so you know if you're if you need a guy like at the very end of your draft, like you've waited on your second on on your second quarterback till the very end, and you're you like your first option. Like I think he's a guy that is worth like taking a, a flyer on late in the draft just because. He's one of the only guys, once you get in the 20s, that I actually see having upside. You know, like, if, if it works out for him in Atlanta, I could see it working. Now, like, obviously your concern with him is, like, well, if he plays bad, like, Ritter might play. But if you're drafting a guy at the very end of your draft, you should have no problem just dropping him on waivers and, and picking up another guy. So I would rather go snag the guy, like, at the end of the draft that might might have a little more upside for me. So 
that that's like probably a lot more of a deep cut, but a guy I think is is a little bit undervalued. Yeah, that's a good point. And with quarterbacks, you know, you only really have to play one, at least for most leagues. So you just make sure you have real, one good one, and then that that bench spot can kind of be, you know, whoever you feel like is going to have a good week or is showing they're having a better year, that kind of deal. Um, before we move on and, and take a break and then get into, you know, running backs, wide receivers, the more, I guess you could say, important positions, um, are there any of those top quarterbacks or maybe quarterbacks that are targeted higher that you would stay away from this year for, for some particular reason in fantasy? Um, I think Burrow is being overvalued, but like that's probably just because of the name thing and like what we've talked about all off season. So like, I don't really know, like I, I think of the like pure pocket passers, he deserves to be at the top of that group. Like the Dak Prescott's, the Stafford's, the Brady's, the cousins, like I think he's going to put up crazy numbers, but I don't know why you would take him over like Jalen Hurts or a guy like that. So I, I feel like Burrow is being looked at by some people as more in like the Mahomes, Herbert kind of group. And I just think he should be down in like the Dak Stafford group, if that makes sense. So I think that's one guy I see is probably a little overvalued. I think, you know, I I have some concerns about um, – I don't, I don't know. Like Brady is a guy where I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not very much lower on him than consensus, but the offensive line injuries for them recently have made me a little more nervous about taking him over some of these other very comparable quarterbacks, just because he's a guy that's a little more dependent on that at this age. So like, I, I don't know that I'm like excited to target him, but like you said, like all of these guys in the middle are very safe. So like, I have a hard time pointing to any of them and saying, like, I don't trust them. Like, Russell Wilson is a guy that I'm, I'm definitely lower on than other people going into this year, but I ha- it's not like I think he's going to be bad. I just think he might be a little worse than people expect. Yeah, and like I said, you know, with a lot of these top 15 quarterbacks, they're going to produce some. You know, they're going to get fantasy points just because of the nature of, you know, football and how, you know, when the team scores, the quarterback's probably going to get some amount of points. So, you know, I agree with you that there, there are definitely some. Burrow, I think, because he took his team to a Super Bowl as well, probably overvalued in fantasy. It wasn't like he – I don't even think he was like a top five fantasy guy last year. Maybe he was right on the edge of that. But like you said, some of those names maybe we should put more lower, not because of their status, but just because of their fantasy production. Yeah. All right, we're going to stop there for a minute with the quarterbacks, and then we'll pick it up with the running backs and wide receivers and then get into our sleepers. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to give you those. All right, now we're going to move into running backs, which, as we discussed, maybe the most important position uh, to pick in your draft to look for, especially during the year when there will be those injuries that happen. Um, you know, there's a lot of thought process here, and a lot of times this is the position that got people have guys who they love, and then others hate them, and then there's some that people hate and others love. It's just a really fickle position, and it, it depends on the situation and how they're playing that year, their injuries, things like that. But you know, looking at the top and then looking down, you know, so who are some guys that you have your eye on this year that are going to break out or maybe ones that have proven themselves and, and are going to continue that success? Yeah, I think one guy towards the top of the drafts that I'm probably a little higher on is Najee, just because I don't know of any circumstance of a guy that's going to play more than him. And I don't know how their offense is going to be worse than it was last year. Like, I just, I, I think. Ben Roethlisberger was just 
one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year. I think their offensive line can only get better. So he's only in his second year, right? Like I don't think they're going to change the way they use him very much. So I I think with him, I just it's one of the highest floor guys in this draft because of his usage. And I also think if the offense improves, like if one of these quarterbacks starts playing well, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett or one of these guys, offensive line might start to improve. I think then there's some room for him to have some increased upside. I also really like DeAndre Swift this year. I just think that's a guy that's in the perfect situation to finish as like an RB1 this year because that he has, you know, it's Jamal Williams behind him. So it's like, it's a good backup, but not a threatening backup. Like I'm not worried about Jamal Williams taking DeAndre away DeAndre Swift snaps. He's a guy that can play, you know, both in the passing game and in the running game. And we know Jared Goff is not a guy that's going to push the ball down the field a lot. So if the Lions are a little bit better than they were last year, he's a guy that I really like in kind of that middle running back group, you know, like late first round. Um, I think, you know, Saquon's a guy where because like Brian Dayball is finally there, if you can get him like late second round, I think that's 100% worth the, the risk because he's a guy that like has top five upside if he can put it all together. It sounds like he's looked pretty good in camp. So he's a guy like, I I don't know. I like Travis Etienne a lot, but it, it still concerns me that it sounds like James Robinson is like coming back pretty healthy and might still be the number one running back. So like, ETN, like, you know, I I think we're, you know, we're doing a dynasty league this year. Like he's a guy that if you're in a dynasty league, like I think is definitely worth targeting this year. I like him, but I wouldn't draft him like super high just because there's a chance he's the number two running back in Jacksonville, even though like I do think he's the more talented guy. I don't know why Cordero Patterson is going as low as he is after last year. Like I, I talked about that on my podcast, but like his stats are like top 15 from last year. And the only, there's basically no other running backs that are outside of like the top 10 or 15 that had his numbers last year. And, you know, he's, he's definitely older. There are a few other running backs in Atlanta competing with him for some playing time. But like, I think he's a guy that at least belongs higher than where he's going right now. And then the last guy I'll mention is Damian Pierce. I think, you know, we talked about him earlier, so I won't go into super detail on him, but like, I think he has a chance to be a lead running back and anytime you can get a guy that's going to be a lead running back, like later than the 40th overall pick, like or 40th pick 40th running back selected. Like, I think that's great value. So he's a guy that, you know, later in your drafts when, you know, you're taking a lot of guys, that you really have no idea if they're going to be good or not. Like he's a guy I would, I would take a swing on at that point. Yeah. A lot of the guys you mentioned, I'm with you on, I like him a lot. Um, you know, Najee, I think, like you said, He's going to get all the carries, all the receiving. His PPR value is already high. Uh, the offense can't be worse, and there's really no one else to, to substitute for him. So, you know, I think he's a really safe, higher running back guy. Um, a guy that I had up there that I really enjoyed having in a couple of my leagues last year, maybe just one, is Austin Eckler. A lot of the concern with him is it was he splitting carries with Justin Jackson, some of the other guys they have. But he had a career high in touches last year. He found the end zone a lot more than he has proven he can, so there might be some touchdown regression. But I do think as the offense improves, they're going to want to continue to ride their better guys. And I think Eckler is a safe guy because of his PPR. That's that's kind of my guy at the top. Um, you mentioned Saquon Barkley. It's so hard because you know at some point you have to start thinking, okay, injuries may just be a thing for this guy. And you know if that's the case, that's the case. But the talent is there. And when he 
does really well. You know, his fantasy is great because he produces so many, you know, bust out plays. He has produced the most 50 yard plays since 2018 as a running back. Those are really big fantasy scores. Um, I'm a big fan of ETN as well, but like you said, you don't really know how he's going to be used, and just because he's the new shiny toy doesn't mean he's going to have a good fantasy year. Some of the the guys lower that I like, I think all the ones are a lot of the other ones are, are accurately valued, but I think J.K. Dobbins and Eli Mitchell are two guys coming off injury. Um, I don't know how either of them are going to be used because you know you don't know if the offense has changed, but I think both of them before they got hurt were going to be stars, and Mitchell proved he was a pretty good fantasy running back. Uh, Dobbins, you probably know a lot more how they're going to use him than I do, but I like him a lot as a, as a third running back. And then one guy that I think is just had the unluckiest luck, if you will, is Miles Sanders. He has Jalen Hurts as his quarterback, so that hurts him rushing touchdown-wise because they, they, they'd they rather run Jalen or one of their big backs. But if he can ever put it together, then he has the recipe, at least you know t- talent-wise, to be decent. But don't know if he's going to put it together. But there's several guys that I like at that lower tier that if they hit, they're not going to be superstars, but will definitely maybe kind of be competing with some of the guys ranked higher than them. Yeah, I think I think those are pretty good. Yeah, like the you mentioned it with Eckler, like the touchdown regression is definitely the the thing to be nervous about there. But like the Chargers offense is going to be awesome, and he's going to be a major part of it. So I I think especially like safer guys in the top ten, like Eckler is definitely one of those. And yeah, with Dobbins, I, I do I think Dobbins is going to be a top ten running back? Like no, because Lamar takes up so much of the offense in terms of that, but. I have no problem drafting him based off the injury stuff. I mean, it sounds like he's going to be ready by week one. Sometimes these guys don't play at their absolute peak when they first get back, but Dobbins sounds like he's in a pretty good spot here. So, you know, does it affect my opinion of him a little bit? Yes, but I'm not super concerned about it. So, yeah, I think I think Dobbins, like, if you like him and his outlook this year, like, I wouldn't let that prevent you from uh, selecting him this year. And then, yeah, Miles Sanders is a really tough one because it's like, if I can just get Kenneth Gainwell like 60 spots later and there's a chance he plays as much as Sanders, like I have a really hard time taking Sanders. But if it was put together, like Sanders is definitely the, I think the more talented, like complete running back. So I don't know, like even like I'm pretty sure Miles Sanders told fantasy owners, like don't draft me because he was just so tired of like disappointing them every year. So like, I don't know if I would love taking a guy that doesn't even want to be picked, but like that's, he's definitely the more talented back and like that has to be valued for something. Yeah. And you know, once again, I, I probably should have saved him for his sleepers because I, I don't even know if he, I don't even know if I'd pick him as, you know, I'm not picking him high for sure. Oh, I'm yeah, just saying definitely. the talent is there to potentially be a, a good fantasy running back. Um, All right. You know, looking at, you know, a lot of the top running backs, there's always some every year that get injured, but also some that just bust in general. Um, are there any that you're looking at that are either getting into a point in their career where it's just not going to be some regression or, or maybe some that you just don't like because of their situation and talent in general? Yeah. I mean, we mentioned Antonio Gibson earlier, but like that is one to me that I'm just like, like I am avoiding him at all costs. I, I think Javante Williams is a guy that I'm not as high on as everybody else. Like I think Javante Williams is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL, but I think there's a lot of people that 
have just written him in as the guy that's going to get 80% of the carries. And that just doesn't seem like the way Denver's going to operate this year. Like, it seems like they still want Melvin Gordon to be a big factor in their offense. So, like, if people are right that Javante Williams is going to take over a lot of this workload, yes, he can, like, he has the upside to be a great back. But based on the reports that have come out of training camp, it just doesn't seem like that's fully happening yet. And so I don't know if I can take him that high. Like, you know, he's going around like top 15 running backs selected. Like, do I really want to take him over Leonard Fournette? Like, I don't know, man. Like Fournette's got a lot more stability there as like the lead back in in Tampa Bay and he's going to be catching passes all day. So like, I think that's a guy where I'm a little bit more cautious on. You mentioned Elijah Mitchell. He's a guy that concerns me a little bit just because he's now injured to start the year. And the Niners have so many running backs that I think could be good. Like Trey Sermon is still there. Davis Price at LSU is now there as well. So like Mitchell to me feels like a guy and Jeff Wilson, I think is still in in San Francisco. Mitchell feels like a guy who's not super talented. And so if he loses his job and one of those other guys comes in and performs really well, I feel like he's a guy that could just like never regain that position. And we know how weird Shanahan is with, you know, subbing guys in and out and like finding the guys that he really likes. So he's a guy where I think if he comes back and is healthy and is the lead back, he's really valuable. But I I don't know if that's 100% going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And a lot of these people, you know, you just don't know. That's what I mentioned with the the roles might be different this year. You know, the offense just in general is – is not the same as it was, and, and they're not viewed the same in the, within the team. So, really good point, and I liked, you know, some of your guys that you said because their roles just don't translate to fantasy points necessarily, and especially because of like in Gibson's case we mentioned earlier, not going to get the goal line carries, not going to get the passing work necessarily. So he's going to have to be able to, you know, I guess run for long touchdowns in the middle of the field, which you can't count on all the time. So, you know, definitely like uh, some of those there. All right, we're going to move into wide receivers now. Uh, you know, a lot more of these, but also it's still really important to hit on, uh, you know, the, the top ones especially because they can separate themselves from the rest of the group. And especially as you get into you're looking at the waiver wire, wide receivers can be really important. So who are some of these top guys and, and your favorites for this year's wide receiver class? Yeah, which this is like the least sleeper guy that I can possibly name, but like, I, I think Justin Jefferson is going to be wide receiver one this year. He now has the same system that Cooper Cup operated in last year with the the Rams system is now being used in Minnesota. It sounds like they're going to move him around a lot, just like they did Cooper Cup, you know, use him in the slot, use him outside. And I just think Jefferson is a more talented receiver. So if Cup was able to do it, I think he can as well. And so I, I, he is like a guy I think is going to have an awesome year. I like Stephon Diggs. Like last year, he didn't have great touchdown luck, and he's on one of the best offenses in the NFL. He's still the clearly the number one wide receiver. So he's a guy that I would, I would definitely target in the second round. I think C.D. Lamb has a chance to be like wide receiver one this year. I mean, I'm not saying it will happen, but – the Cowboys lost, you know, Amari Cooper, I think Cedric Wilson as well. So, like, there's a lot of room for CeeDee Lamb to emerge as just the main target for Dak Prescott. A couple of other guys I like a little bit later are Deontay Johnson and Michael Pittman. Like, Johnson, his numbers are just better than people think. Like, he's just produced at a higher level than people 
associate with his name. I don't think he's as flashy of a guy. And then Michael Pittman is the same as Lamb, where I just think he has a chance to be a, a pure number one and maybe even more so than Lamb. Like the Colts do not have much of their competition for him. Like it's Paris Campbell, it's Alec Pierce that are going to be fighting for that number two slot. And with Matt Ryan there, like we know how Matt Ryan played with a big physical receiver before. Not that he's going to be Julio Jones, but that shouldn't be too tough of an adjustment. And his imp- his performance should only improve based off last season. So Pittman is a guy I really like. And then I'll, I'll add one more as well. Like I mentioned this as a guy I like love is Alan Lazard. I just think like he's the only guy that I'm like certain that it can produce in Green Bay. It sounds like Rodgers thinks of him as his wide receiver one going into this year. And Green Bay is going to be a top 10 offense. We know they are. Like they have to have one receiver that produces. I mean, they have the most targets in the NFL leaving their roster, or second most targets in the NFL leaving in Devontae Adams. Somebody's got to pick those up. And I think Lazard is the best, has the best chance to do that. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of really good points there, or by mentioning players, I think brought out some points where, especially like Deontay Johnson and, and Michael Pittman, who I'm also high on, is that you have to look at, okay, are they in a new situation this year with a new coach, with a new quarterback? Because that draws my attention to Cooper Cup last year, who is now known as, oh, of course he's one of the top wide receivers. But if you remember last year, he was getting drafted in the fourth or fifth round like he was just an everyday wide receiver. But Matthew Stafford comes in, you know, you have Sean McVay there. It produces one of the best fantasy seasons of all time. And in the same way, the Deontay Johnson, he's free of Big Ben. You know, we assume his production will still be pretty good, even though it, it was already good with Big Ben. Michael Pittman now has Matt Ryan. And I think the guys like that are ones that you can get maybe later, but they'll end up elevating up boards by the end of the year, heading into next year because if they have a change of scenery and they're a year older, uh, just better overall. So, yeah, uh, you know, some of mine that I really like um, at the top, uh, and are, I really think that uh, Stephon Diggs is a really good safe pick. I mean, when you have Josh Allen as a quarterback and you're as good of a wide receiver as he is, you're going to produce. Now, obviously, there's a lot of mouths to feed there, um, but I think, you know, he's still a really good one. Um, some deeper ones down, you know, you kind of, you kind of took Michael Pittman from me, but I think Cortland Sutton, somebody's got to be the number one wide receiver in Denver. We keep saying it's going to be him. Don't know if it will be, but with Russell Wilson now as, as your quarterback, you know he's a proven a proven fantasy producer. He's going to throw to somebody. So if Sutton can stay healthy, I really like him. Um and then I really like uh, Michael Thomas and and I don't want to butcher his name, but Amon Ross St. Brown from Detroit. And this is one of those situations like I was talking about in, in my little tips is that, yeah, you may not know who Amon Ross St. Brown is, but he's the number one wide receiver in Detroit. If you look at his statistics at the end of last year, he was a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. Um, and so he's going to get targets. He's going to get you know looks, even though he plays for Detroit and his quarterback, Jared Goff. Uh, Michael Thomas, I think, is somebody who is coming off injury. Obviously, there's a lot of questions, but he's proven he can be a top one at the highest level when healthy. So guys like that, you know, we'll get into our sleepers here in a minute. Maybe I should have saved a couple of those for that again. But you really got to look at situation when you're picking wide receivers and projecting what they could be with a new quarterback, with a new coach, things like that. Yeah, I think those are are definitely good. And piggybacking off the Lions thing, like somebody has to catch those passes – At the very end of your draft, I also like Jamison Williams because I just think that guy is awesome. Like, I think he's going to be a great player. 
you're going to be able to get him for a lot cheaper because he's coming off injury. He probably won't be ready till closer to the middle of the season. But I think he's a guy that like he's probably more talented than Amon Ross St. Brown. So as well, like somebody's got to catch those passes on the Lions offense. I think Williams has a really good chance to kind of jump into that role as the season goes on as well. And then a couple like late guys that I like, you know, Brandon Ayuk. It sounds like he has a really good connection developing with Trey Lance. And as they continue to use Debo more as kind of this weird all-purpose guy, like when, when Debo is used in that way, like Ayuk becomes the number one wide receiver. And we know he's very talented. He's been in the Shanahan doghouse a little bit in the past, but he's a guy that I like in that kind of mid-tier range. And then the last guy, and I feel like he just has to be mentioned because of how much buzz has been around him, is George Pickens from the Steelers. He has just been dominating in training camp. Like people are just raving about like he'll make some spectacular play every single practice. He had a touchdown catch in the preseason game as well. Like this one's pretty simple. Like he's just very good. And so like I, I think he, you know, I'm not saying go take him super high, but like I don't see any reason why you should take, you know, Christian Watson or one of the or any of those like Sky Moore, those mid tier rookie receivers that I think a lot of people might have had ahead of him earlier. Like, I think Pickens belongs in that Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave tier based on how he's performed in the preseason, and it's how the Steelers seem to be using him. All signs point to him being a starter for them, and I think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, that's that's a great, you know, kind of insight there into why you would draft him. And, you know, rookies always seem to be ones that break out because it's their first year in the league. I mean, it's no not a shock. It's not rocket science there. But, you know, I do think there are going to be a lot of rookies this year who people are like, how did we overlook them in the draft in general? And Pickens is definitely one of those guys, you know, I think you should watch for. Wide receivers, it's not as hard to bust necessarily because there's, you know, there's so many options. But uh, looking at the top here, are, are there any guys that are in the middle that maybe are being more valued, highly valued than they should? Yeah. Traylon Burks makes me a little nervous. I just... I have a hard time taking him over some of the other rookie receivers we just mentioned because it sounds like he's had a difficult time earning starting reps in training camp. He came in out of shape. He also had asthma issues. It's not to say that he won't be a good receiver, but it just sounds like this year it might be a little more difficult than we originally expected. So like dynasty leagues, like not as worried about it. Like I think he's a good selection, but this year he makes me a little bit nervous there. There's, I don't know. I think a lot of the guys at the top, I feel pretty good about another guy like Kenny Galladay just sounds like he is in the doghouse in New York. It just sounds like he is not the guy they thought they had. Like, I think I would probably just take Kadarius Tony if I was looking for a Giants wide receiver around that point in the draft. So he's another guy that, you know, he's not, he's not super highly ranked, but I don't love him. And Terry McLaurin is a guy who I think he and A.J. Brown are kind of the receivers from the Debo Samuel, Michael Pittman, D.J. Moore from that group that I'm probably the lowest on. And it's not because of them. It's just because the offenses and the quarterbacks that they're playing in. Like, you know, Jalen Hurts, is he's, he's good for fantasy, but being super accurate over the middle, that's not really his strength. And that's where A.J. Brown plays. So, like, I think Brown is a very valuable piece to their offense, but I don't know what his fantasy production will look like. And then McLaurin, I don't know, man. I it's, I have a really hard time taking him over like DJ Moore 
when Carson Wentz just scares me and I just don't know like what that system is going to look like. And it's not like Baker is way better, but I definitely trust him more. So those are probably the two guys out of that middle tier that I'm lowest on. But I mean, there's a chance, you know, if, if their offenses click, if those guys, you know, are put in roles where they can succeed, there's still a chance those guys are pretty solid receivers. Yeah, I like your your evaluation of some of those guys there because, like you said, I mentioned you got to watch for breakouts in people who are you know changing teams, have new quarterbacks, but in the same way, people like AJ Brown who have been consistent performers, you switching to a a new team may mean less fantasy production. Terry McLaurin gets a new quarterback in Carson Wentz. We we know he struggles at times to be a good quarterback in the NFL. So you know guys like that maybe in that middle tier who have had success but are now in new situations and just in general maybe have a different role. Uh, you, you don't really know what their fantasy production may be and maybe be a little more cautious uh, when selecting them. I, I don't really have any thoughts like, oh, you got you got to stay away from this guy. I You know, I think Allen Robinson is kind of in that mid-tier. He's been consistently bad for several years now, and I really don't know what we're expecting of him as far as, like, I don't, I don't see him getting back to breakout level star. Um, and I know he's getting drafted ahead of, of several guys that I'm like, I think they're definitely going to have better years than he will. So he's maybe a guy I would be a little more wary on, at least where you draft him. But, you know, I don't, I don't have a ton of guys I think do not draft, especially just because of the way yeah. the wide receiver position is. I can make the case for Robinson. I'm not like I, I'm not saying I disagree with you. The case for Robinson, I think, is basically just Odell Beckham, which was he was a great red zone target. And they they used, you know, they're so teams are so focused on Cooper Cup once they get to the red zone, that that second receiver just gets a lot of opportunities. Like we saw that last year with Odell. He didn't have a ton of yards, but he had a lot of touchdowns for how many times he touched the ball. I think that's kind of the – that's probably the idea with Robinson. Who knows if that will actually happen. But, you know, he's a, he's another one of those guys that's been with, like, terrible quarterbacks, like, his whole career. So, like, maybe he figures it out. But, yeah, like, there's a chance that his talent is definitely being overrated with that because – it has been a while since we've seen him produce. Yep. And Matthew Stafford, you know, obviously transformed the Rams offense. So there's no telling what he can do, you know, with him as his quarterback. But I, I just think his production is maybe being a little more overvalued until we see it. again. Yeah. All right. Moving into tight ends, our last position group, before we start heading back around to some sleepers at the other positions, tight end, obviously it's, it's a pretty top heavy group. You know, there, there aren't as many to pick from, uh, the top's the top, but looking, at, you know, at these players, are there what? Are, who are your favorites that you would target in the draft? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's so so few guys at this position compared to others that are actually usable. I do think I'll say I think Kyle Pitts belongs in the tier with Mark Andrews and Darren Waller. Like, I, I think I might take Andrews and Waller over him, but like, I think all those guys should be pretty equally valued. So. I would not have any hesitation taking Pitts high. I think he's going to have an awesome year. Um, another guy I really like this year is Pat Fryermuth with the Steelers. He had a pretty solid rookie year. I think there's a chance he breaks out, especially if you're in a dynasty league. I think he's a pretty good target. And then Zach Ertz is a guy that I'm big on as well. After he got traded to the Cardinals, I think he was like the tight end three last year. That also coincided. I think it was after he got traded to the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins did not play. He was the tight end three. The first six games of this year, DeAndre Hopkins is not playing. So I think Zach Ertz is poised to have a very good start to the season, and maybe that continues as the year goes on. 
I think Friar Muth and Ertz are probably the two guys I like the most after you get out of like the top guys where it's like Waller, Pitts, Kittle, Andrews. So those are two guys I like. Um, and one other guy that I think deserves mention is Gerald Everett. Like he's a pretty talented guy, and he's replacing Jared Cook on the Chargers. Like if the Chargers utilize their tight end at all, I think Everett has a chance to put up pretty good production. So if you're looking for a backup, I think he's a I think he's a solid option. Yeah, yeah. Everything echo what you said. You know, with the top guys at tight end, you're pretty sure they're going to have good gears. You know, Pitts maybe is the one that hasn't proven what his ceiling is yet, but I think it's really, really high. Um, and you mentioned a lot of the guys that I like as well. I think that, you know, Dalton Schultz is somebody who really surprised a lot of people, but for some reason, Dak loves throwing to him. I think, you know, the options are now even more or less than they were last year with Cooper and, and Wilson leaving. So I think Schultz is a good tight end that's going to get a lot of looks. Same with Dallas Goddard. And you mentioned Ertz uh, as well. And then Fryermuth, two guys who already had good years. And I think we'll continue building on those. So especially with a tight end position, if you're not going for one of those top ones, you just want somebody who is a consistent performer that at least is not going to get two points a week because tight ends can tend to do that. So guys that you know are going to get targets in their offense and potentially produce a touchdown every once in a while. Those are the guys you want if you're not going super high with like the Travis Kelsey's and the George Kittles of the world. And especially with tight ends, they're all a risk. So I don't really think there's very many that you're like, oh, stay away from because, you know, already you're a little wary when picking a tight end. Yeah, definitely. I think it's very tempting every year to just take a tight end high because it's so much easier to not have to worry about like, who on earth am I going to play at tight end this week? Or like, you know, last year I'm just like constantly flip-flopping. It's like, is Mike Gesicki good enough for me to start? Like, do I need to go trade for somebody else? Like that, that kind of thing. So it's definitely easy to just like, you know, I'm just going to go take Kelsey late first round, second round. I'm just going to have that position filled for the whole year. Like that is definitely a lot easier and like less stressful as a fantasy manager. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I had Travis Kelsey last year and it, it was it was enjoyable being able to just pencil him in as your tight end option. So that's the way you want to go. And especially as we talked about, if you're in the later of the first round or middle, uh, he's a, he's a pretty much a wide receiver with the statistics he puts up. So you can, you know, get him and play him every week and know he's going to get pretty good production. All right, let's circle back around to our sleepers and then we'll, we'll close out the episode. And like I said, we did a fantasy episode last year. Where we talked about a lot of a lot more overarching topics how to be a manager, how to draft. This is more specifics that we want to talk about for this year. So looking at quarterbacks, are there any guys that may be drafted later that you think have a chance to kind of break out this year and put up a lot of fantasy points? Yeah, so this might be as like boring as a sleeper can potentially get, but like Matt Ryan is going at about like 20th ADP. There's no way he's a top five quarterback this year, but I think there's a chance he's pretty good. Just because it sounds like Frank Reich has said, like, our goal is not to just run the ball all the time. Now, like, that also means, you know, maybe Jonathan Taylor, you're not as confident taking him at first overall as you might have been. I think there's a chance that they, last year, they wanted to throw the ball more and they just couldn't because they did not trust Carson Wentz at all. And so if this offense airs the ball out a little bit more than people expect, which I think is a strong possibility – I think there's a chance we sh- we're looking back at the end of the year and saying like, you know, oh, Matt, Matt Ryan was the same as Kirk Cousins, but those guys are ta- being taken pretty far apart right now. So he's a guy like obviously a very boring name. It's not like a, you know, it's not as exciting as maybe like a Tua or, you know, Zach Wilson or whatever, but he's a guy I do think is like being undervalued right now. 
Yeah, I love Matt Ryan, and I think you know he he's kind of been devalued after the Super Bowl run, but he had a good year last year, and he he was on the Falcons. So, I mean, it wasn't an easy situation, and he still produced pretty good numbers. So, I think that's a really good uh, you know pick there. I already kind of mentioned Tua as somebody I would maybe you know stash a little later, and maybe he has a good year. I think somebody who it's not he's not necessarily a sleeper, but we just he's been out is is what is Jameis going to look like in the Saints offense with a potential healthy um, Michael Thomas. We might talk about this guy in the wide receiver sleepers, probably not, but Chris Olave is, could be a really good wide receiver. I think Jameis, if he comes back healthy and, and has got his head on his shoulders, could be a good sleeper quarterback, but he doesn't have Sean Payton anymore either. So there are definitely some questions there, but he has he has the potential to be a pretty good one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm high on the Saints in general this year. I just think they're going to be a pretty solid team, and I, I think Jameis is a pretty good pick there later later in the quarterback selections. All right, running back is probably the position that we have the most sleepers at. Although wide receivers, you do have some breakouts, but it always seems like there's running backs who break out and have you know the best years. So this might be one where you're really looking to hit uh, later on, and maybe we can help you with that. So, Sully, in, in your study – what, who are some running backs that you think have a definitely a potential to, to perform at a high level this year? Yeah, so this sleeper is a deep cut. This guy's going, the like last I have saved here, his ADP is running back 57. It's Khalil Herbert from the Chicago Bears. Now, obviously, like, what, and one, this is a general fantasy tip in itself. Like, when we like, like, if I like this guy, I think he's going to have a good year. That doesn't mean I'm taking him where I have him ranked. Like if Khalil Herbert's ADP is 57 and I have him ranked at 39 or whatever, like I'm just making up numbers. That doesn't mean I take him then. That means I wait until I know I can get him and then I take him. Like there are certain guys who I think this is probably true for a lot of people. You like them a lot more than consensus. That doesn't mean that you take them where you have them ranked. Like wait until you know you can get them. Herbert's a guy for me. You're going to be able to get him in the last couple of rounds of your draft. I think there's a chance that he and David Montgomery split carries a lot more than people expect. He had a pretty good year last year. He was more effective than Montgomery was. So Herbert's a guy like if you can get him late, I think he's a really good, has a good chance to emerge as a starter. And like especially if like Montgomery were to go down, he's a guy that's going to take a lot of the workload. Yeah, I mean that's a it is a deep cut, but like you said, really good reasoning there, and kind of what we talked about earlier, where his workload could be improved a lot because of what he can do because of the offense that he's in um a guy that i have my on eye on this year um is tony pollard i had him in a league last year i don't know if you call him a sleeper sleeper but it looks like ezekiel elliott's and i'm a cowboys fan it looks like his time is coming to an end and they may even release him after this season so i think they're going to try to seed more and more to tony pollard uh he's looked better than ezekiel elliott anyways obviously his the touchdowns are what is worrisome because they, I think they still want to give the ball to Zeke in the red zone. But Pollard is going to be catching passes, and he has the ability to break up a big plays. So I think he's maybe a good later, you know, later guy to get. Um, another guy I think that could have a pretty good year is is Chase Edmonds. You know, he was good in Arizona, but always seemed like either injuries or somebody else, you know, was also sharing the load with him. He's now in Miami where they're trying to figure out, you know, who is the guy. But it, at reports, seem like he is the number one running back and has impressed. And Tua, as much as I love him, he's Mr. Checkdown. So if Chase Edmonds is going to be that guy that he checks down to, that's a lot of PPR points. So those are guys that, you know, I, I don't necessarily have like, oh, this guy's going to break out. But I do think those are could be really 
just stable running backs because of you know the way fantasy is set up. Yeah, I agree, I agree with both those. I mean, I think I think Edmonds especially like I know you know Raheem Mostert is there. I think Miles Gaskin might still be there. Sony Michelle is there. If they actually pick a lead back and it's Edmonds, he has a chance to be like a, a real breakout this year. So like I'll be very interested to see kind of like what that rotation looks like because they have a lot of guys where like if they are the number one option, they'd be a highly valued fantasy back. And so if you know, I, I hope that we see like Edmonds actually break out and have a lot of usage by himself because like that's gonna be the big concern there with with Miami. Yeah, exactly right. And I'll just ask you know you a question looking at these running backs. How do you evaluate Green Bay's situation? Uh, because obviously Devontae Adams is gone. Does that elevate Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, or is it more there, we should expect their role to be the same? Yeah, I think – I honestly think I view Aaron Jones about the same because I think they're going to use Aaron Jones more in the receiving game and then let A.J. Dillon take more of the rushing role. Like I think – it's kind of weird, like it's almost like the domino effect, but I think it makes AJ Dillon more draftable and keeps Aaron Jones as a very highly rated running back because we saw, like in games without Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones averaged like over five receptions, over fifty receiving yards a game. So he, like, obviously that's that's ten fantasy points from running back. Like that's super valuable in the receiving game. It also is going to allow you know the more Aaron Jones is targeted, the more Dylan's going to get rushing the ball. So I think both those guys, just like Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, like both are draftable. Like also with Zeke, like like you said, Jerry Jones still loves Zeke. Like he's going to get red zone touches. I think he's still probably going to out snap Tony Pollard. But it seems like Pollard might play in the snap a little bit. They can use him a lot of different ways. So yeah, like both those guys, all four of those guys are draftable and just because they're a second running back, especially when they have different roles, I think both guys can still produce at a pretty good level. Right, exactly. All right, our time's running out here. Me and Sully have figured out Zoom has changed a little bit. So we're going to get closer to the end of the episode. Uh, With wide receivers and tight ends, it's kind of hard because there are so many options. Although tight end, we talked about the higher options are not quite there. Um, So looking at sleepers, are there any guys that just jump out that we should expect to take a huge lead. Yeah, I'll, I'll mention my wide receiver and my tight end here. I mean, first, I think Chris Olave is, like you mentioned earlier, that's a guy I like. The Saints invested multiple first-round picks to go get him. So, obviously, they like him a lot. I think especially, like, with the question of Michael Thomas, there's a chance Olave comes in and is the number one receiver for an offense that I think can be pretty good and pretty explosive. So, he's a guy, like a rookie, that I like a lot at that position. And then at tight end, the guy I like this year is David Njoku. He's super talented. The Browns paid him pretty well, so you know they value him. And Jacoby Brissett is a guy that I think will depend a little bit more on a tight end. Like last year, Mike Gesicki got most of his usage when Jacoby Brissett was playing quarterback. So I think Njoku has a chance, especially on an offense where they, they're going to play in pretty heavy sets. They're going to run the ball a lot. They don't have great receivers. I think Njoku is a guy that like I'm much higher on than consensus going into this year. That's a good point. And obviously Brissett is, you know, a good a good tight end quarterback because of what you mentioned. But also when Deshaun Watson does come back, um, you know, he'll if Ninjoku's still there, he has a better quarterback. All right. My two guys that are sleepers are second year players who both, you know, had good seasons last year, but injuries kind of derailed them. And I could back it up with stats, but I'm not gonna 
take the time, but is Elijah Moore and uh, Kadarius Tony from Florida, your yeah. guys. When they played, they were breakout stars. Tony was insane when Daniel Jones got in the ball. Elijah Moore now has Zach Wilson in his second year. I think both those guys, uh, could if, if they stay healthy, which is always a big if in fantasy, are guys that could break out. And my my sleeper tied in and kind of that same Njoku vibe is um I don't want to butcher his name, so I'm just gonna call him Albert O. He was really good at Missouri. Now he has Russell Wilson, Noah Fance out the door. Russell Wilson hasn't always been great at throwing to tight ends, but if he decides to use him, that's a guy that I think could score some touchdowns this year and be a really good sleeper at the, in the tight end position. Yeah, definitely. Albert O is a guy like I, I've talked about before. I think he's going to have a pretty good year. And I like both those receivers as well. I think both those guys should go higher than they're currently being drafted. Elijah Moore actually had his great stretch last year when Joe Flacco was at quarterback. He was a top three receiver over a six-week span. Flacco is, might start the year now with Wilson's injury. So I think that only boosts Elijah Moore's value. We know Flacco likes to target him. And then Tony, yeah, I mean, if he stays on the field, he's going to be great. The question with him is just, can he stay on the field? And I think where he's currently priced at, it's worth the investment to just take that risk. You may get a top 15 guy pretty late in your draft. Yep. I mean, sorry, those are just a couple guys that we like at the wide receiver, tight end, running back, quarterback position. The biggest thing about being a fantasy manager is do your homework during the year. The draft is, like we I mentioned, not always going to go as planned, but if you pay attention to the waiver wire, pay attention to the guys that are breaking out, then, then you should have a pretty good chance. Like I said, go listen to last year's episode for more tips, but those are the specifics for this year. Thank you, Sully, for coming on and doing this uh, for, for some fantasy talk. We're going to move into NFL and college breaking down their seasons coming up. I want to thank you for listening today, and we'll see you next time.